0: You're listening to Tech Recruit, a podcast that educates talent acquisition and recruitment professionals on innovation to attract talent across all industries. We're glad you're here. Hey, listeners, I really appreciate you tuning in to my podcast. Please remember, if you're listening on iTunes, to give us a good five star rating. And if you're listening in on other platforms, throw in some great comments below. We really appreciate all the support. Now, on to the podcast. Welcome to the Tech Recruit Podcast. My name is Stacey Broadwell. I will be your host. And today we have a very awesome guest. His name is Will Staney. Welcome, Will Staney to the show.
1: Hi, thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: Will, you are the CEO and founder of Proactive Talent. And Proactive Talent is helping how companies evolve their employer branding and recruitment processes. Tell us a little bit about what it is that you guys do.
1: Yeah, we do really three main things. We, do, uh, we help companies with talent attraction piece, so the front end of the funnel, so employer branding, uh, content, and media, so helping with their, their media spends and, and strategies. Um, and then we also have um, our consulting, our recruiting consulting side, so helping people and companies build out their, their recruiting function. Uh, whether that be a startup building a team for the first time in a strategy for the first time or a well-established company looking to innovate what they're doing. And then lastly, we have uh, sort of a light RPO, which is an on-demand recruiting model, which is really in-source recruiting rather than outsource where we have very experienced contract recruiters that come in and work as an extension of teams. Um, but you can turn us on and off as you need.
0: That is a very robust um, company. You offer so many different services where I see a lot of companies that are segmented into one uh, different uh, profile, whether it be an RPO or in just in recruiting or in just doing the media portion. Is yeah. there one component that you really enjoy the most or does it all kind of flow together?
1: No, it's really intentional, actually. It's because we, we, we have a f- sort of foundational belief at my firm, which is, is over 40 plus people uh, now, um, that, uh, that these things are all related and it's a very holistic approach. Um, we really believe that our clients come to us because they have people helping them with their hiring that deeply understand employer branding and that aspect of recruiting and, and talent attraction and people that are doing employer branding and helping them build their, their brand and, and the recruitment marketing strategy that deeply understand how to apply that in, in recruiting function, uh, and team. And so uh, and most of our clients, I'd say probably 60% of our clients, uh, use both sides of the house,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: together. Um, but there are, there are, yes, there are plenty that will come to us for one thing. Um, I like to say we're really great at, at all of them. And, and it's actually to us a competitive advantage that most of our competitors only do one of these things.
0: Definitely. Yeah. So in that um, service of your market, what would you say the size of the companies or the uh, profile of some of your bigger clientele is?
1: Yeah, it's extremely varied. We work with a lot of VCs who send their portfolio companies. So we've worked with companies as small as two people growing to 25 people that year. Wow. Or we've also worked with some of the largest, most iconic brands in the world like GE, um, you know, over 300,000 employees. Um, we were a striker, you know, a lot of big enterprise companies as well. It really depends. And, and that's sort of the flexibility of our model is that we can, we can scale and build out a small team for a small company or a big team. Like we recently did a, a, a really large health uh, healthcare, like a hospital network here in East Texas, um, where we, we deployed 18 recruiters in two weeks um, and, and helped them hire uh, over 1200 people in six months, saving them $2.6 million. Right um, on their staffing costs. We lowered their cost per hire by two grand per hire um, in Total cost and so it, it, it's it's this scalable model that makes us uh, a, a really great Partner, um, but uh, it, that holistic approach as well that that makes us uh, get results.
0: Yeah uh, That's really so that that's kind of an RPO service the, um the recruiters on demand
1: a little bit. Um, so, but RPOs are you're outsourcing your process to somebody else. With us, you're insourcing. Uh, we are bringing the resources to you, and we actually become part of your team. But we're we're like a contractor. You can um, put us on a three six month contract, or uh, if your hiring demand slows down, you can actually pause us. Um, I'll put those resources on another project, um, and, and and then uh, you can turn us back on when you need. It's it's a very flexible model. And, and it's more natural to how recruiting actually happens at fast growing companies. Um, recruiting, it, it goes up and down. You hit a big round of funding or a big quarter, your hiring goes up and then you hit a bad quarter, your hiring stops. A lot of companies right now, what they have to do is they have to fire their recruiters. Um, it, it, a lot of people say in our industry, right? Um, you know, the first one to get cut is, is is HR and recruiting because it's a cost center and, and too many companies think of it that way. Um, and our our goal is that companies maybe before you take the expense of hiring a full on team without really knowing what your long-term hiring needs are going to be hire somebody like us to come in and fill that gap and figure it out. And then we actually hire your full-time team that you need long-term. And then our job is actually to get out of the way. Um, it's actually to work our, what ourselves out of a job because I don't like seeing my friends get laid off. I don't like companies bloating up the staff that they need and then having to let them go later. And, and, and I know as a former TA leader, how fast your hiring demand goes up or down uh, and, and, and to be flexible in, in how fast business moves this wor- in, in this world that we live in now, um, you need a partner like that.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I think that, the so your recruiters then, are they salaried professionals?
1: Yeah, a lot of our team is, um, but a lot of uh, a lot of our, our recruiters aren't. These folks are, like, they're free agents. They're freelance, professional, remote recruiters and sources. Uh, on average, our recruiters on average have ten years of experience. We have many that have twenty or more, and then we also provide them with regular training. Um, so we're always upskilling them, um, as if, even ones that aren't even on an engagement, they're still in our tribe. Um, and maybe they're taking a contract on their own somewhere else, but they're still in our tribe and getting trained from us. It's just a part of being a part of our tribe and our, and our community. Um, and then when we have projects that match them, we activate them. Um, now there are some in that, that you know, they're just so good and they're on engagements with us all the time that we actually, we know when they're coming off engagements and then we're built, we're getting new projects for as soon as they get off, they're on it. So it gives some stability to these freelancers in their work. It allows them to be, Entrepreneurial and have flexibility in their work, but have sort of the great things about being a part of a company and a culture um, And a consistency of work that you typically would get with a full-time role, but you don't have to have a boss,
0: which is awesome I, I find and, and I, I find this so incredible that you're able to offer this on-demand service for recruitment professionals And I worked with a fortune 500 agency. That's actually how I got started in, in recruitment. And I remember we had <clears throat> salaried professionals Uh, within the network and we would send them out on contract opportunities and in between those contracts if we didn't have something they were considered benched Um, but they're on salary so oftentimes we would have um, you know a software engineer who was sitting next to us looking at resumes (laughs) and and doing sourcing so that ability to find that salary professional the next opportunity but I, I see that distinction where you're you're offering not just the salary but also the contract Contracted recruiter who's who's Hmm. in their own regard running their own desk and has their own clientele Yeah,
1: yeah, they can bring their own client in here and then we we actually give them 10% of the profit back to them because that's revenue We didn't have to spend to acquire that client and so they earn more income whether they do the work that way as well And so that's just part of our model, right? Um, And then I think also You got to think of the reality of what today's business world is Um, a large percentage of the working population do not want full-time employment. Um, we have healthcare marketplace. People can buy private insurance. They don't need an employer for these benefits that typically what you would need from in full-time employment for. And the market's good enough right now that the thing is, is you've got, we don't take anybody in unless we know we have three to six months or, or probably about six months worth of work for them. And then that gives us enough time to get them work Even when they're done with that work Um, but um, you don't even have that kind of job security in a full-time job as a recruiter anymore right Um, like you can be a full-time recruiter and be great and work at a company and get laid off after six months if hiring slows down right you don't have any guarantees anywhere anymore companies get acquired they get bought up and then they gotta let people go all the time and so except at the same time, you also have a boss and you're, you're sort of stifled in where you can go and maybe you get a 3% on average uh, uh, increase in your pay each year. When you're a consultant, when you're a freelancer, when, when you're uh, a free agent, you demand your price and what your time is worth and you're you, you're, you're accountable to results for that pay too. And so it, it incentivizes so many much better behaviors um, that it, it's become a very powerful model. Uh, and it's where... I think a lot of the world is, is heading. There's always going to be need for full-time in-house recruiters. You need that. There's also always going to be time that you need, you know, a contingent search firm to work on that niche position to come in and you're going to pay a fee on, right? Sure. That's fine. But, but if, if you're going through periods of growth and surge, um, those are never sustained, right? Those are always bumps, right? And then, you know, we have economy goes down or your hiring slows. Uh, you don't need that full-time staff, you know? It's, it's a, a lot of times in recruiting companies are making long-term decisions for short-term problems. Yeah. Um, and, and what we are is a short-term solution that helps you build a long-term uh, strategy.
0: So for the recruiters who are listening in, in our um, audience, I'm, I'm curious because I feel like there is a discrepancy on what's posted online or in those salary calculators. And, and I was gonna yeah. ask you, what do you see as salary pay grades appropriately for sourcers recruiters senior level um you know top to bottom
1: oh gosh that that i mean i am not a comp strategist there's people that charge 250 an hour just to answer that kind of question um and i i don't i don't uh, i'm not i i do hire a lot of freelance recruiters but even that kind of uh of market rate is very different than maybe like an in-house recruiter so i i wouldn't really know how to answer that specifically um I mean, I think whatever they feel is is what they're they're worth to be paid um, based on their experience and what a company's willing to pay them to do it.
0: <laughs> that is, that was a very appropriate answer to that. So uh-huh. I want to ask you. I'll pivot a little bit. Um, how did you find yourself in in recruitment? What is Will Staney's background?
1: Yeah, I. I've always been a little entrepreneurial. Um, uh, I never actually made a salary or had a salary job until I went into in-house recruiting. Um, prior uh, prior to, to, to getting into this industry, I, I had a, about a decade in sales and my my education background was in, in mass communications and advertising. Um, and uh, I was actually in, in mortgage banking um, when I made the transition into recruiting. It was during the recession. Um, i was laid off probably about five times in a single year uh and uh and then one of my client and then I, I started build my my business back up by teaching real estate agents how to use social media which was just becoming a thing then um to get first-time home buyers and folks like that um it, it, you know and in, 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 in get those kind of clients and in turn i would say hey uh, i'll teach you how to get new home buyers in in uh, and you st- let me do the mortgage uh, and, and that's how I rebuilt that business but then one of my clients was a recruiter and they were in the same building as me and uh, th- they asked me like hey can you show us that stuff that you've been teaching real estate agents with social media like can you teach us do like a social media class with us and I went in there and did it and they were like whoa we got to introduce you to somebody and so I got introduced by one of those recruiters to the head of global uh, sourcing at VMware and this was during that really huge period of growth where they're hiring like 4,000 people a year. And, um, I went into this interview for an entry level sourcing job. It would have been a big step back for me. Um, and I pitched a different job. I said, like, Hey, what if I come in and I, I build out, you know, social media pages, I train all the recruiters on how to source on social media and, and, and he hired me on the spot. He said, yeah, like, go ahead. And, and I got to be sort of a kid in the candy store. He was like, and I, I built uh, what is now VMware is probably one of the, the, one of the best case studies of an employer brand and longevity that the brand's now been around. I think this is his 10-year anniversary this year as an employer brand and that was my first baby that I built and it's won tons of awards. Uh, the, the, the person that I hired out of college on my team now is the head of all that employee branding there. She's been there the entire time and they're doing awesome stuff. Um, and so after that I went over to success factors and there I got to kind of play a little bit in Product development. So now, you know success factors had bought jobs to web Which was a technology I used to to measure the effectiveness of my recruitment marketing and employer brand and I got to be there and influence that product um, As well as build the program over at SAP. So SAP acquired success factors and then I was actually one of the first on the recruiting team to go over to the SAP side and help them, one, uh, redo their entire global recruitment process, um, and then two, uh, revamp and, and relaunch their employer brand as Life at SAP, and that was my, my second big baby. And as Life at SAP is, is still there. A lot of the team members I work with are still there doing amazing work, and they've won probably over 200 international awards for employer branding and recruitment marketing. Um, after that, I went into TA Leadership, I was uh, the very first TA leader um, at Glassdoor, uh, where I helped uh, build out that program and team. Um, shortly after that, I, I I went over to Twilio during their rapid pre-IPO growth and building out their function as their first TA leader. Um, and 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 after that, I decided, you know what? I've, I've been going to these companies and either building machines from the ground up or 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 innovating old sort of recruiting models and. And as soon as the machine sort of maintains itself, I get bored and move on to the next machine and I decide I'm just going to build a company where I just do this for a living, where I just go into companies and help them build modern approaches to, to hiring. And that's what I've been doing. Um, and now this is the longest job I've ever had, uh, which is, uh, doing uh, proactive talent. And then I, I also have a, a company that I partner with Brian Cheney, who's the head of employer brand at indeed called talent brand Alliance. And that's a community for people in this growing field of talent branding, you know, employee branding, marketing, uh, and helping advance that that industry and that profession.
0: Wow, that's a that is um, a phenomenal career path. And I can see, too, like the opportunities that you you undertook in helping these companies uh, solve these pain points and being able to attract talent and build out that social media component, especially when the social media was really new and that ability to. to Yeah,
1: now that's just a small part of it, right? Social is just one of a multitude of channels to to engage with people, um, you know, in in the recruiting process. But it, it really did start there because I think nobody really understood social. And so they had us millennials come in and, and, and deploy that type of stuff into recruiting. Um, and I think what I was able to, I was very fortunate to go into organizations that made me a part of the, the TA team, actually gave me recs to work on, let me really deeply understand recruiting. And then I was able to, to, to be a, sort of a desired talent in the space because I, I had this marketing employer brand background, but I also really understood strategic recruiting and how to build recruiting programs as well.
0: It's, it's interesting kind of on that, that social media front because I, I recall back to when I first started in recruiting and I think it was in 2007, 2008 and um, I was on LinkedIn and mm-hmm. I was wor- working for a, a Fortune 500 staffing agency and they were very fearful of their employees being on a social network. And it took a lot of um, education and I was doing brown bags yeah. on the usefulness of it. So it's really interesting how far the industry has come from overcoming the fear to like, okay, how do we harness this and, and really kind of um, drive our talent attraction through this channel?
1: Oh yeah, I remember one of the first things I got slapped on the wrist at, at VMware was they, they do the, the at the time, I don't know if they do them anymore, but they used to do these Friday beer bashes at all their offices globally. They bring out some kegs and people can have a, a drink on a Friday and get to know their, their, their colleagues a little bit better. Um, and I posted photos of that on social and they and people in HR were like, no, 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 you can't. What is this guy doing? You can't be sharing. And I said, is it true to what it's like to work here? And they're like, well, well, yeah, but we don't really want to advertise. I said, what, aren't you trying to hire engineers? Why would you not want to <laughs> highlight the fact that you give them free beer on Fridays? And then they kind of came around and it was like, this change of pace and then, you know, working with with companies and and learning from my peers in in the finance industry, which I come back, which is highly compliance-driven, right? And risk averse, it was really big in that sector, but even then you're seeing now start to really loosen up and realize that, man, if we're gonna survive, we gotta embrace
0: the social thing, you know? Yeah, that is is really uh, interesting. And there are still companies who are, um, have to adhere to those to those compliance issues, you know. So I'm hosting a CTO roundtable at a brewery of all places in um mm-hmm. in a couple weeks, and it's for software engineers and developers to meet heads of te- or um uh, chief technology officers. And their social media because prof- it's aerospace. The social media professionals who are coming can't take pictures and posting pictures of people drinking. Yeah, but cool. I have other companies in Los Angeles who uh you know they will bring you in and show you their liquor cabinet inside their office, you know, and be like, "Oh yeah, on, on our meetings, you know, if you need to take a shot, go right ahead."
1: Have yeah, I mean, so. it's it's so different with every company and in every industry in a, in in a, in a bit of ways. I think I think what's important for companies to do though is just to decide what is your situation and not take not take the approach of, "You this is what you can't do with new media," right? But more of like, "Hey, this is how we use social media and here are a few like rules of like if you do this, it for our industry it creates problems right um, and so take it from more of a, an empowerment and an education standpoint mm-hmm. i think a lot of things that companies did wrong at first at the admin of social was was be afraid of it and just say no and just yeah. block people from it but that i mean that's like taking away their cell phones when they walk in the door of the office now right it, it just it doesn't work
0: interesting yeah that yeah. is that is kind of a really good analogy so i'm, I'm curious because so What would be, uh, and maybe there's not a typical, it's like you said, there's, there's so many different uh, ways that companies have to deal with compliance issues or that they are looking to grow or maybe what their goals are, but maybe what are some of the catalysts that you've seen uh, for companies in beginning that branding program?
1: Yeah, I, I think. There's a couple of ways that, that companies start this. One, one is that they start to, one, recognize that it is uh, an important part of hiring now. We are in, a, in a, an economy, at least for the foreseeable uh, short term future, that is booming and we're at full employment. Uh, and this is really a, a, across most of the modern world right now. And uh, you you have to set yourself apart this is not a market where people are happy to be employed you have to show why you're different and also companies are competing with other companies outside their even even their own industry more right like every company is a tech company now right every co- you know and, and and so you have different competitors in the space so i think the first step for any company to realize that or to start building an employer brand is to realize that it's important and something that you have to put budget and time and resources towards. Um, then the next step would be to figure out, eh, are we gonna build those resources internally or do we hire in an expert, someone outside of our bubble that can look at us and, in an unfiltered way as sort of a third party expert to help us audit and understand where we currently are and what we can do to improve. Um, some companies end up doing this themselves. They hire someone and they actually build a role for EB and I, I love that. It's a slower way of doing it um, because that person then has to learn that industry and that job and, then, um, and scale it over time. And I, I was that person so I know it's possible. but you know it took me year, two years to build the brand at VMware. It took me year, two years to build it at, at, at SAP. A good consultant that can come in and, and has done it before, uh, you know' three, six months, right um, to really build that, that program. Um, so, I mean, that's first, I think, is just looking and saying, is there buy-in at the organization and do we, are we actually going to invest in, in building this for our, our, our hiring efforts?
0: One of the, and I don't want to name any names, but maybe I'll make an intro later. Um, one of the largest employers in Orange County, um, they were at my conference, um, uh, OC Tech Recruit um, in 2018, and we initially, I, I reached out to them because I had asked their brand ambassador if they would be um, on my, on, you know, speak out on one of our um, panels on employer branding. And she admitted that she had just gotten hired. She comes from a social media background and that they had a lot of initiatives ahead of them. And as she was going down the line of all the things that she was going to do, and she was trying to figure out, we just started laughing. We said, you know what, you're going to have some great stories at the end of this year and she said yeah but admittedly I could use some help so if you have anybody you'd want to introduce to me um, and it's interesting because you have so many of those different stories and this is the largest employer of that region um, so that's and, that's really and, interesting and I
1: would say taking someone social media and then letting them go in and, and, and explore employer branding and a function was really great a, a few years ago but uh, today uh, employer branding is just so much more than just you know, social savvy. Um, it is it is as complex and integrated of a practice as your your consumer marketing, and it has the opportunity of having just as much ROI as well. Um, because when when you do a really good job of employer branding, you you, you shorten the cycle of, of of hiring and you increase the quality of of candidates, so you hire faster and cheaper. Um, also the the growing cost of, of the old model of hiring so the post and pray model of job posting and waiting for good talent to come to you is exorbitantly expensive now um just a posting on on a place like linkedin or indeed can be upwards of 500 for a 30-day posting right and so <laughs> doing that, that that way and then waiting for the right come count to come uh, it is very, very expensive, but if you make that upfront investment to build a strong employee branch where your company becomes a magnet for the right kind of talent for you, it, it, it pays for itself over and over again for years
0: to come. So to go back to the catalyst, I mean, you nailed it right there. It's, um, we're not getting, it's taking too long to hire. We're not yeah. getting the right talent. You know, what do we need to do that's differently? We can't just post and pray this is taking too long. Um, okay. and, and yeah, hiring somebody who's got that social media background and kind of like getting them there to like drive some engagement. That's I great, think it's great. But, but
1: hire someone like me to come in and, 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 grow, and grow that person. And then I'll get out of the way and they'll be off to the races. Right. But um, it, it's sort of like, you know, earlier I was saying when, when how they hire recruiters, it's they're, they're hiring a big internal recruiting team, um, which is a long-term solution to a short-term problem. Um, when it when it comes to employer branding and investment that that's where they're trying to, to do short term solutions to a long-term Problem um, and because companies typically think oh, well we need to hire people right now um, Let's just uh, buy some LinkedIn buy some indeed, um, you know Let's hire an early talent to come in and, and build our employer brand um, but it takes a long time and the longer you wait as a company to start investing and in building your employer brand The longer it will take you to finally have an engine that attracts talent repeatedly. And in in a year or so, then you're going to be closing, uh, you're going to be closing recs in 20 days instead of 45. But to expect that you're going to all of a sudden build a brand that's going to show you amazing results in, 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 in a very, very short amount of time is, uh, is, is a bit kidding yourself. It doesn't work that way quite. You can get some really quick, success by making minor tweaks or initiate doing an initiative or a campaign we do that for companies all the time like that uth case study was telling me they saved 2.6 million well we were doing the media and brand behind that recruiting effort so there, there are ways to get quick immediate roi and results but i think when you're thinking as a company like what should we do to build our employer brand um, I think you, you need to prepare yourself that this is, this is a journey. This is a long-term strategy that you're building for the future success of your organization. It's not a aid. there. You know, there's no lipstick on a pig solution for it.
0: You know, um, I, I came into a, um, met with another client, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and they had a really interesting, um situation. Maybe you've seen this as far as like catalysts go, but uh they were dealing with a bit of a reputation problem. They had just laid off a whole bunch of people the year before. Um they felt that um software engineers they speak with each one another. It's a it's a it's a community where, oh, you don't want to go there because of all the reviews on Glassdoor. How no. you help a company in such a situation? And 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 before this, they were, they were doing fantastic. They got a, an amazing brand. I've always heard about them, but then suddenly, you know, they well, went through a round of layoffs, bad yeah.
1: reputation. Well, yeah, I mean, the, I think the first step is there is, are they really a shitty place to work or not? Um, that, that answers whether I can help a company or not. I, I'm honestly, the first thing we do with employer brand engagement or we're looking at their glassware is we actually talk to their employees to validate. If what they're saying who they are as a company is actually true to the experience of working at their company and there's been times where I go in to start an employer brand engagement with a company and after the audit phase I actually pause it and I say I'm sorry we can't actually activate employer brand for you right now until you fix these glaring HR issues because we don't go out and tell the marketplace that you're a great employer if you are in fact not a great employer um, you can't lie Uh, to candidates because here's the thing that's gonna happen you're gonna hire those people offering them the roses and the the world and sparkly unicorns uh, and then they're gonna come in and realize uh, it is not that and they're going to leave and that's gonna cost you a heck of a lot more than just not hiring for that position overall Um, so um, what we do is we then give them the data and we even have great HR consultants that will come in and help build culture and things like that um, to fix those issues in a transparent Mm -hmm. way. And then we've come back into those clients after that. And then we say, now you have a really great underdog story. You have a story to tell like, Hey, we had this bad layoff. We had a really bad middle management layer for a while, but we fixed it. And this is our brand now. And this is our story. And then when you authentically go out there and tell that people go, Hey, there's a company that's acting like a human being that they're not perfect but they worked on it and they got better that's the kind of company now you actually have a brand that is even more powerful than if you had just been a, a great company to begin with uh, you know like it, it, you, know, you have a, a, a you have the ability that you you're so transparent and so honest that you actually um, you actually showed that you're not perfect and everybody who's ever worked at any possible company ever in their life knows that there is no perfect company. Google, Facebook, Google, Facebook, those great amazing employers that everyone talks about, guess what their average tenure is for an employee? You know, right?
0: No. It's
1: 12 months. Really? They were just such a wonderful, amazing place to work. Why is the average employee only there a year? Right? The average tenure across the US for any job is like 3.8 now years, right? It used to be back in the day, like Oh, sure. seven, 10 years, right? It's shortening. Right. Um, and so even so, even they have a hard time hiring, even they invest in their employer brands a lot. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think, I think that's, it's really something to, 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 to think about, you know, as so far as I, I,
0: you, I feel like you're talking about like being the company, almost being vulnerable, being human. Right. Yeah. Um, and um, we're in
1: the age of transparency now. And that's, that's another thing that social media is affected, right? That you can't hide anymore. Look, we got the me too movement going the way our politics have changed because of social media, the way has changed with social media, you actually can't afford not to be transparent. And you also can't afford not to treat your employees well. Now it's like, not even a possibility. You, you can't hide.
0: So two, two questions, like yeah. the pro and the con, what, yeah what are some of the, the worst um, things that you've seen um, that made a company suck? <laughs> and what are some of the best benefits maybe that they, you've seen companies offer in contrast?
1: I mean, benefits are, are here, there. I think at the end of the day, m- what most people actually want, at least the the majority of the workforce entering the market now is they, they, wanna, they want a company that's actually uh, doing things that they, they, they care about. They're, ma- they're making an impact. They feel like they're going to, and that doesn't have to be world changing. It could be like, hey, our mission is to um, make sure that supply chains are efficient across the entire uh, commercial shipping sector. Like, that's cool that I get to affect that thing that makes the world go round. Right. You can always do it to higher mission um, benefits and perks that they can offer. Um, I mean, it's 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 really um it's apples and oranges. Every company has benefits at some point. I think it's, it's, it's a personal decision of what they need and, and how you can entice certain people. Um, things that I've seen companies do that make them kind of a crappy employer from time to time is um, the opposite of that, which is um, to just to not really listen to employees, um, to sort of act purely um, in, a, in, a, in a profit way, like everyone wants to be a good corporate citizen and make sure the company is growing. But when companies just ignore employees or they have sort of this, um, this top down model of communication where like everything comes from leadership and down and there's no upward communication back to leadership. Those are companies that ultimately are going to fail. Like, like literally, like, because people aren't, people have a lot of options now. And if they don't feel like they're being heard, or they can affect change, or if they have control over their career, they will go somewhere that they can.
0: So having a cause or a mission that the employees can get on board with and feel um, that touches them or that they can get behind.
1: And having values, like having a stance on like why you built this company and what's the purpose and, and how you work together as a group. And, and I really believe that companies are communities and they need to operate that way, right? Um, they operate as as, as a corporate ent- entity um, and they're there to, to drive profit for shareholders and all that stuff. You can do both. But they're also a community of individuals. Without your people, you would not be anything, right? You hear that all the time in every recruiting keynote ever, right? But what I mean, is, it, it, it really, in the way that you function and in, in, in build your business and manage your people, um, you really have to think of them as, as a community that, they're in the trenches with your customers they're in there building your product like they have feedback to executive leaderships and, and, and insights that you don't see like i'm a ceo now uh, uh, and, and, and i understand that now because i there are things that my consultants or my recruiters are seeing with clients that i just i don't know and so i want them to be able to communicate up to me on how we can make our business better
0: so, the so that's the big thing
1: that a lot yeah so that's a big thing a lot of companies don't do is they, they don't know how to effectively Empower um, employees to have a have a voice or even want them to in some cases, right? Because that means they have to pay them more and and all that stuff, which is which is tough
0: Yeah, so so that said I, I'm curious on your own personal um, Mission statement. What what is your cause in your employer brand internally?
1: Oh Yeah, yeah, um, our, our, our mission is to help as many companies as, as possible Revolutionize the way they hire and attract time, talent at its core, and then our values all support that. So we have a value of of um, autonomy. You know, we're accountable to each other and our clients. Um, we have a value called uh, kaizen. It's probably one of our most popular, which just means uh, to just continually improve. Um, every time we do a new initiative as a company, we have what we call as a kaizen meeting afterwards. Well, how can we've done that better? What went really well? Or what could, what didn't go well? And then we actually operationalize that and make changes right after that thing that we just did. We do the same thing with client engagements. We kick off client engagement. We do the engagement. Once that engagement's over, our sales, ops, marketing, and consulting team all get together and they go for 30 minutes, an hour, and yo, this is our Kaizen meeting. Hey, well, and great on the engagement. Well, you know, if we had a better onboarding process for this, that would have been it. And then we immediately institutionalize that knowledge and get better. So Kaizen is a real big one. Another one is do what's right um, whether that be with our, 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 each other, our clients. So with me, the way I operate as leaders, I'm always going to do what's right by my people. Um, I pay by a performance-based model. I, with revenue share, everyone at our company is sort of an owner in the company. They make more when the company grows and, and is successful and hits our, in our goals. Um, and so, um, I'm always going to do what's right with that. There's always ambiguity in certain things too, because it's sort of Undefined structure. It's not like a salary and, and, and just benefits structure. So um, I'm it, there's gonna be great areas and at that point it, it's 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 my employees trust me and I trust them and We are always gonna be able to work it out and do whatever is right and the same thing with our customers There's a lot of ambiguity with what happens in recruiting. It's a people human centric business It's inherently imperfect, but we're always gonna do what's right
0: mm-hmm. I I think that is so um, interesting and you see that so often in in recruitment that you have that performance-based model within um, your profit sharing or versus like the salary you either get commission or you get like a little Mm -hmm. bit of both and um, oftentimes it's difficult to retain um, your employees in that regard because either they might find something different or there's the performance isn't there Um,
1: well there's a certain type of person in 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 that does well in this environment right um and and i've i've had people come in here that um aren't meant for that so the folks that practice talent typically are very entrepreneurial themselves um they actually like performance-based pay because they're not being capped on what their earning potential is and what they can make when you are are a full-time employee at a company like i said before you're on a salary you're capped at what the company's willing to pay you even if you bring in $2 million for that company that year through your own individual efforts, you're still just going to make that 90 K a year you know, maybe you get a little performance bonus from it, but if you're adding transformative value to the company, shouldn't you get a little bigger piece of that pie? The average employee at Google produces a million in revenue a year for them. Sure. On at right. The average employee at Google makes 200 K though. So that's, they're, they're compensated pretty well. Um, And so um, it's just a different model. We've had people come in here that they, they didn't like the continual change. They want something that's a little bit more, you know, um, consistent and stable. Um, I've helped those people find full-time roles at one of our clients or full-time roles um, elsewhere because I ultimately I just want people doing things they enjoy and making the kind of money they want to make. Um, but I'll tell you that the consultants that have been with us the longest and the ones that are successful, um, they're making more money than they ever did in an, in an in-house role. Um, and, and they have the, the work-life balance and integration that they really want to have and they have families and they, and they, they want to be able to, you know, take a month off during the year. Well, that's cool. They can do that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so it's, it's just a different lifestyle. I think.
0: How do you find somebody who is entrepreneurial minded regard? I mean, other than them having their own, you know, thing going on like you and I,
1: uh, this very thing that we're doing right now, I make it completely transparent and known that. What kind of culture we are, and how we work, and how we incentivize, Um, and uh, the people who are less versatile that need a full time job doing the same thing and need exactly what they Mm -hmm. we have a we have an uh, an interview question that we ask when people come in and we go, if I gave you a a job, and um, and one was a full out description of the job from from nine a.m. to five p.m. exactly everything you need to do to be successful in this job. And then I also gave you a job where I just had sort of bullet points of things that you, you need to accomplish, but no specifics. Or if I gave you a blank piece of paper, which of these jobs are the most exciting for you? Yeah. The, the, I would the, pick
0: the one that had like the initiatives that needed to be done and yeah, allow bro- me to get them done in my own own way.
1: Yeah. But, and, you're, and you're an entrepreneur, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the answer that we typically look for. Oh,
0: okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, it actually, and in some roles, we actually want someone that they're really, they're actually excited about a blank sheet of paper and they get to really build their role from the ground up. We have plenty of people like that here. Um, and, and I think what's kind of great about our model too, is we've had people come in as like a, a, a contract recruiter who have grown and built a consulting business within our function and are making way more money and having the kind of career they want. They're able to move upward in their career and their earning potential so much faster than they ever would, ever would in a full-time role because we have that flexibility. Because I'm constantly saying, hey, are you enjoying what you're doing? If you're not, let's get you into something else, right? Because that's the most important thing is not just, are you doing a great job? I know when people are doing things that get them jazzed they're doing a good job. And so I my metric for employees and growth is are you having fun doing what you're doing? Are you enjoying? It? Are you passionate about what you're doing? And if not, let's move it. Let's 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 adjust it because we're flexible that way.
0: Hmm. That's interesting because, um, when you're dealing with entrepreneurs, sometimes it can be difficult to sit down with them and say, okay, we talked about these initiatives that you're going to do and, and these, um, expectations that we had, and, um, this is kind of where we're at. And sometimes you need to help move the needle with them a little bit and that can be a delicate situation or a conversation. How do you approach those?
1: I think, yeah, I mean, that's, it's just transparent communication. Like I, I I don't think there's anyone at at my company that would, that would feel uncomfortable coming to me with uh, a feedback or like, hey, I think this is unfair or hey, this thing I'm not really a big fan of. And I, I listen and I process that information and I, and I do what's right. And that's why we have these values, how we tackle any of these type of, of, of things. So um, that doesn't scare me and it, and it hasn't been a problem uh, for us, uh, at least in our current structure early on before we had things kind of figured out, this is a new model. Um, we've had people go in and out, we're, we're trying to, it's like an awkward teenager. Uh, but now I think we really articulate well and know wh- who is successful here and how they're successful.
0: So in, in, in addition to um, proactive talent, you have the Alliance.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and that looks like you've been doing that now for a couple of years. How, yeah. ha- how did that come about?
1: Um, it started as a Facebook group. I had for some people that won the, the Glassdoor talent warrior award the very first year in 2013. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, it was like a dozen of us and there wasn't a lot of people in the industry that just had full-time roles building and doing employer branding at a company, right. As practitioners. Um, but that started to change as these sort of influencers in the space i hate that word but like these people these pioneers I, I like to call them pioneers like they're the first ones in doing this stuff right uh, that that group started to grow and then me and brian we've been good friends with both here in austin been in the space we were sitting over a pint and we we're like where do we go to learn about this thing like this is employer branding so new and there aren't standards there aren't you know case studies like where do we go and and where can practitioners come and learn from each other? And we were like, Holy crap, there isn't a place let's make it. Um, And so um, we'd been talking about it for years. And then finally in, in, in 2016, um, 2017, we we actually made it an, a formal community. And then from that came the in real life events with talent brand summit. And now we have over 600, Heads of employer branding and heads of talent acquisition from some of the most iconic brand brands uh, in the world, and we do an event here in Austin and in London uh, with a bunch of local local charters and places like uh, Atlanta and and Austin and soon um, uh, San Francisco and Boston, and uh, it, it's just been this organic great thing. We have a board of of uh, of, of really seven amazing people in this space with a lot of experience. Um, We've got a committee over knowledge base, which is building data and and knowledge that we selfishly share with the whole industry. Uh, We have um, an events committee that helps make sure that we're we're doing events that people are getting the most value out of. And they're not just being sold to the whole time. They're really just networking, finding mentors. We have a whole committee by Audra led by Audra Knight, which is our mentorship committee, which is just connecting people who are new employer branding with people who've been doing it for a while and giving them and helping them facilitate former, a formal mentorship program. And so the employer branding was becoming so I think important to business, not just recruiting, but like as a business um, from a strategic standpoint um, that companies are really starting to invest in it now. And we've, we've finally hit, that point where it's time to start getting serious and putting our heads together and thinking like how do we get more companies to to embrace this and how do we educate each other and, and up level our industry as a whole in the process
0: when you're approaching a company with um who who has the idea that they want to build out these programs um mm-hmm. and you you mentioned a little bit you alluded to that one of the first processes or steps that you take is um interviewing or talking to their employees and determining. Um, you know, what keeps them there, what it is, what they like and, and that sort of
1: process. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, how much Mm -hmm. of that is in looking at their data and, and how do you go about, um, evaluating that if you do?
1: Yeah, that's a huge part of it. But the thing is, most companies aren't capturing data on their employer brand. Right. And so if you don't first again, answer that question of, are we willing to invest in this thing that we don't quite understand yet? Um, is very important because to get the data that you need takes resource and investment and in rallying your employees around an effort, which is hard. Um, and it's also the thing about employer branding that makes it super um, complex is that it involves every single part of the company. It's a the most cross-functional role in any company other than maybe the CEO, but even more so because CEOs aren't typically, Spending time with every ground level employee all the time, whereas employer brand people are—they're um, like the internal reporter at the company, finding great stories that reinforce the mission of, of the company. And so, they have to work with comms, with marketing, with uh, with corporate recruiting, HR, you know, uh, employee experience teams, um, finance, like everybody, right? Um, and so, it, it's it's complex. It's it, it's it's not easy. Um, but n- nothing w- worth doing um, is. And, and I, I think a lot of people too think that, oh, just because we have a well-known consumer brand, employer brand will be super easy. It's actually, I think it's harder because you have preconceived notions. I, take, for example, our, our client GoDaddy, right? Everyone knows who GoDaddy is, right? They've seen the Super Bowl commercial and stuff like that, but no one, I mean, no one knew who they were as an employer and they all had misperceptions of who they were as an employer because of that brand. I mean, if I told somebody two, three years ago that GoDaddy is one of the, the, the best employers when it comes to gender parity and pay, um, and also probably one of the most inclusive tech companies I've ever seen, they wouldn't believe me. Now, that's starting to change from some of the that we've done with them and, and that they've been doing just to change their company. But that's the problem that big, well-known brands have, right? Look at look at Facebook, right? One of the top employers all the time, but they're going through turmoil right now around privacy concerns. They have an EB issue right now. Some high-level engineers not wanting to go to Facebook, right? Because uh, creepy privacy stuff, right? Like this, that's a perception the market has that affects on the consumer side and with the government that is affecting their employer brand and their ability to hire,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? And so... Um employer brand is super important, as you can tell by my passion for it.
0: So if in the beginning they don't know what data that they're they're supposed to be pulling from, or they don't have data or they're not streamlining it, their employees well, there's, aren't inputting it in, in there's a data team.
1: out there, right? A lot of companies do culture surveys, employee engagement surveys, right? That's data to look at. Um, you know what your website traffic to your career site is, right? Maybe not every employer does, but oh, a lot of them, right? You can probably go to marketing and be like, hey, can you hook this up to Google Analytics for me and tell me what kind of traffic we're getting to our career site and how long they're staying on it. Like that, That's free, right? Um, so that's data. Um, you, you have a glass door, whether you've signed up for it or not. You have one probably if you're any kind of major employer. Uh-huh. Uh, even, even we have it and we're only 40 employees, right? So um, um, that's data points right there. You get some of that for free. Um, And you can look at what are people saying, what's your rating trends over time, uh, and and things like that. You have social sentiment. You can do socialmention.com and put in a few terms about working at your company and see what the sentiment around all that is. That's free, right? Mm -hmm. But companies aren't thinking about that and taking time to to collect that data and measure it over time and adjust, right? And most of the the culture surveys are, are more around like, well are we doing a good job from a management level and leadership standpoint are we doing good from an hr standpoint they're not looking and going hmm are we telling the marketplace the right story about what it's like to work here right but they they could right yeah.
0: so yeah. you're looking at their their current you're taking a pulse of what they're currently doing getting that quote unquote baseline and yeah. then helping them develop campaigns, whether it's on social media, whether it's video, are you, um, are you able to help them create those campaigns and put them out there and then monitor that success?
1: Yeah. So we're really hands on. Like when, when I say we're, we're in source, it means like we come in as an extension. Like we become your, like, like when we were working with GE Digital, we were their global employer brand team for like nine months and then help them build those capabilities and then pass it over to an internal team. Um, And so it's, it's, it's different than going to like an ad agency who's going to really just like, what's your strategy? We'll do your creative or here's your strategy. You do your creative. Like it, we go, Hey, we're going to be a part of you for a bit. We're going to start a relationship. We're going to be a partner. Um, We're going to be on X company team. Um, And then we, we build it from within. Uh, And and then once that machine is running and maintaining, then we get out of the way for you. And then if you've got questions, we're still there. We're still going to, we check with clients after three, six months to see that where their metrics are because ultimately we want a good case study too, um, right? Uh, and and we, mo- we continue to monitor that, right?
0: That's really um, a really great space that you're in because I, I mm-hmm. see so often. I, I know so many companies I could... Um,
1: it's non-traditional for sure. A big part like for us, for, it's evolving and, and we, what's kind of great about models will evolve us business needs evolve and the biggest thing for us i think is is just the education and the sales process like like when companies put us in an rfp i laugh i go you're putting my company in an rfp is setting yourself up for failure and it's setting us up to be compared against companies that are completely different models than us right um rfps are meant to be uh pretty much they already have a company in mind and then they're looking for comparisons to this company. They're thinking about buying. Right. Yeah. Um, right. Whereas with us, it's like, uh, and same thing Like, we use traditional um, RPO you're, you're, it's a year or two year contract. You've got to be all in with that RPO. Right. For the most part. Right. Or, or if you're, if you're going to,
0: you have to have somebody who can manage it internally for you.
1: Yeah. So you got to build up your current team. We're like, no, no, we will be your team we will come, we'll integrate into you. We're chameleons. And that's another thing that we look for when we're hiring consultants and other folks at Private talent is, is, do you like change? Like I am inherently a person that I thrive on change. Not everybody is like that and not everybody that's coming to private talent been like that. And, 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 and that's fine. Um, but the people that come in here are really, really good. And, and for what we do, um, they thrive on it. Um, both affecting change, but then like going from, I mean, we've done everything from some of the largest food manufacturing companies. Like, like we work with the company that puts the potatoes on your dinner every night like that. We uh, work with motel six, um, you know, with a large hospitality network, hospitals, big high tech industries, FinTech across the board. And and these consultants, they like that. It's like, Oh, I get to learn about more, a little bit more about FinTech now. And, what, and how what I do applies into that industry, and then oh, now I get to go into food service industry and see what that does. And uh, it's pretty amazing what's different about these industries, but even more what's amazing what's so similar to the problems that they have at a program level um, with with recruiting and, and how we're able to solve them.
0: That's interesting because I feel like Lou Adler had the same sentiment because he was saying how. Um, it doesn't matter if you're going into a small company that or a huge company enterprise level that's a huge manufacturing or or a restaurant like In N Out, the process is the same for recruitment.
1: Yeah, that's- somewhat. Yeah. I mean the the Yeah, I mean the high level processes they go through, the, the the stages of the candidate life cycle is the same, but now you have to tack on employer branding, right? The talent attraction piece, right? It you know, the trigger yeah. awareness you know, um, and then the call to action to apply, uh, you, you have to really think about that full process, but every company has it every, it, the, the, the thing is, is that the recruit, the, the, candidates expectation are now becoming more in line with their ex, their consumer expectations, mm-hmm. because it's all being done online. So whether I'm applying for a job, I'm ordering a pizza. I have relatively the same expectations of how that process should go using my phone or my computer right you you know and so but the problem is is companies make it really easy to spend money at them and they make it really hard to express interest in being employed by them Mm -hmm. um and it's not intentional it's just their focus is on driving revenue and not so much on they're not thinking long term you're going to drive revenue if you attract really great people that are going to be focused on driving revenue for you um but if you drive marketing campaign or update your website or may make make it that much faster on Amazon to do one-click purchase that's revenue faster but if you really focus on hiring really great people and doing all that stuff over time, your revenue grows much faster. I think even Glassdoor did a big study on on these companies that were highly rated uh, culture on on Glassdoor, um, how much more profitable they are in the F500, and also more diverse companies are more profitable overall, yet you still see companies focusing on short-term solutions, which is much a long-term strategic initiative.
0: Do you think that is because I feel 14. like historically, a lot of um, in recruiters, even in our communication, like you talked about building that alliance, um, you know, and when I launched um, LAX Tech Recruit, previous to that, I felt like there was a uh, recruiters in general were siloed, they didn't want to share their ideas, they didn't want to share their knowledge, they didn't want they to, you know, mm-hmm. they felt like other recruiters were competition, they didn't link in with each other. So. Putting each other in this community and sharing these these ideas. Everybody's just been so thankful to do that. And it's
1: really changing, yeah. yeah.
0: The evolution in um, putting budget into HR, recognizing that need to be creative and evolve in the way that we attract talent, I feel like that's really where we're at today. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, it's starting. I wouldn't say it's like there yet but it is so much further than when i started this 10 years ago i tell you that right now it's like it's so much further along mm-hmm. um but there's still a lot of kind i still see complaints of recruiters like oh, i wish our company would invest in building a corporate brand and make my job so much easier anytime i reach out to people they don't know who we are what we do you know um but it's it's hard i think it's it's human nature to to be reactive and to not pause but and that's why we, but when you're truly proactive, you're thinking ahead, right? And, that, and that's why I call my company Proactive Talent because it, it's, it's about getting out of this reactive way and thinking more proactively and long-term um, uh, to, to build a really great program and, and for the future.
0: So that hence the name Proactive mm-hmm. Talent, that totally makes sense. Okay. Great name, by the way. So mm-hmm. I have a couple more questions for you before we wrap up. Um, you're going to be speaking at LAX tech recruit in July. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you're going to touch upon?
1: Yeah, I believe we're going to be talking on, uh, some sort of topic within employer branding yet to be determined. So stay tuned. No, but, um, I think this is going to be the TEDx type of talk. And so I'll probably share a little bit about my personal story and journey and, and my journey it through ha- and how talent brand, you know, both employee brand and recruitment marketing has evolved, you know, in my career and a little bit of where I think it's going to go. And, and, you know, I hope out of that, at that talk, um, that the, the recruiters in the audience, but the TA leaders and even HR leaders that are in that audience, uh, are a bit inspired and feel like, um, not only on a personal level that they can do anything they really put their mind to, but, but as an HR practitioner, they can, they can build better programs. That are employee-centric and build great employer brands, um, uh, and they can do it. You know, uh, that's what I hope they get out of it.
0: Hi, Tech Recruit listeners. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at TechRecruitConf, like us on Facebook, or join the Tech Recruit Conference group page where you can meet all of our speakers and attendees and learn about all the latest trends that are happening. If you want to stay up to date, or maybe you just want to know when the next event is, you can sign up for the weekly newsletter at techrecruit.io. That's www.techrecruit.io. See you there. You do a conference as well. What's what's the name of your conference?
1: Yeah, in two weeks We're gonna have our second uh, annual talent brand summit, which is the the inner life extension of our talent brand alliance community uh, Where it's a, it's an ex- experiential workshop. Um, so it's two and a half days of really intense um, building your employer brand program with other you know, EB leaders in the space it's a vetted event and community like you have to be someone who it owns the program at your company and is building it out as a practitioner or as a consultant um, for your client um, and, uh, and, and, and we, But we also do a lot of, of Team building exercises So we're throwing axes. We're roasting s'mores. We're having really great dinners. The food is amazing. So we have Breakfast lunch and dinner are all chef prepared amazing meals. It's in this great resort um, there are After parties and and things that you can get to know people and really build and and if you see the video of the attendees last year Like everyone came back after that summit. They're like I have friends Because the thing is like most of these people that are building employee run programs They're typically the only person in their company doing that they have no one to commiserate with and most of them too Are managed by someone who doesn't understand what they do either and so what they do is they come to town brand summit and they meet this tribe of people solving the same problems they're doing and they understand that their world is so much bigger and they develop friendships and now they leave that summit and when they hit that roadblock at at work or they're stressed or they're frustrated on something they're trying to build out for recruiting they have a network of 500 people to reach out to about it and be like hey can someone help me oh yeah sure i just built a template for that and did that training here go ahead take it and it's this open source sharing and what that does is it makes each one of us individually more valuable to each one of our organizations than we ever would have been before um, and and that happened that 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 happens at town brand summit but you can still get that experience just being in our community day to day but when you when you come to a summit you are really like immersing yourself in a world of a hundred other people like you um, who are all wanting to share and and also learn so it's a big give and take um, but we did a great case study on on a company um, named SAS. Um, their team came to the last Town Brand Summit, and they were so inspired after that summit. And they leveraged their network afterwards. They deployed and built out a, an amazing employer brand activation um, this past six months. Um, that now they're going to come back to Town Brand Summit and tell everybody what they did. And they did a case study in our our podcast. And, our, and it's really inspiring to know that you know through my consulting firm, I'm handholding companies through some of these transformation. But through what I'm doing with Brian and our and our board at Tom Brady Alliance is doing it on a much bigger scale. I'm doing it like we're doing it like hundreds of companies at a time, helping each other, uh, which just makes you feel really good.
0: Yeah. I'm really looking forward to your attendance um, here in Los Angeles. I think the the value it's going to add to the conference on the um, employer branding because because our conference is different. It's not focused in one area. It's focused yeah. on three different tracks from your C suite to your manager to your practitioner, and like all the um, the 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 needs and the challenges in between. But um, our big focus is going to be on people analytics and data and how you use data and to make those decisions um, throughout the processes.
1: Yeah, uh, I'll definitely be able to hit on some of those topics too when I talk about my, my journey because that, that's how I built these programs, right? When, when I first doing this stuff, they didn't even have job codes in HR for the roles I wanted to build on my team. I had to use data and I had to fight for every dollar I got to build these programs internally. And then even as a consultant, I got to help my client make do that same fight, even just to get us to come in there. I have to help them develop. What is an ROI of building employer brands and then present it with them to their ceo So they understand what they're getting so i'm really passionate around utilizing data to get And and achieve the goals that you're wanting because I think anything you do should be backed up with data
0: That's so good. Well, all right. Mm. So two more questions um Are you able to share you feel comfortable sharing your tech stack on what you utilize or? I know that with companies that you are advising, they have all different types of technologies that they're using, whether they're big or small. So that kind of varies.
1: Do mm-hmm.
0: you have preferences?
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, are you talking about recruiting tech stack or what we use at Proactive
0: Talent? What you use at Proactive Talent and, and maybe externally as well for your clients.
1: I mean, our clients are on the board on all kinds of technology, and it really depends on their individual thing. So I, I can't really talk into that one much, but. Um, us apart Talent, we're, we're a different model, right? We are 90% remote workforce um, And so I've built my company's tech stack around some ways to support that and the work that they do uh, From home and still build a great culture, right? Um, so we are a big slack Community users uh, at price of talent. That's how we do a lot of our internal communication award and recognizing each other um, and we have a really great culture within our slack community um, we're on G Suite for email and collaboration and drive. So we keep all our records in one place and it's easy to access information about our company and our clients. Um, we um, on our, our sales and recruiting teams, we use a tool called Mixmax, which is like my favorite tool in the world. It uh, pretty much turns your Gmail into a, a CRM and scheduling and automation machine. Um uh, it's great for recruiting and it actually integrates with Greenhouse too. So if you're a scrappy startup that doesn't have a CRM yet, or you want to build your CRM within your 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 Gmail that integrates into your ATS, you gotta check out um, Mixmax. It's awesome. Um, it's magic. Uh, and then, um, uh, what else do we use? Oh, we use uh, Teamwork Projects. Uh, we really believe in transparency and data. So all of our clients have have full. Um, access to see exactly where things are in their engagement. We project manage everything through teamwork and all of our hourly contractors to bill all our time in teamwork and everything. And it's, it's a really great tool. It's not a cheap tool, um, but it is all encompassing and it's great. Um, and uh, you, you have notes for every call you have with your, your client in there. You can project manage everything, you know, so a client can go in there. Like, oh, we're about 30% complete with this initiative blah in blah and you can report out of there and um, pull timesheets out of there. It's pretty cool. And it integrates with uh, Slack and a lot of other tools that we use. Um, MailChimp on marketing, we use, um, we are on smart recruiters ATS, um, but we've used lever in the past. Um, we're big fans of uh, greenhouse ATS. They're fantastic. I think they're really building sort of the sales force of, of ATS as they've built a great ecosystem. Um, I like that they play nice with everyone. Um, and sourcing tools, CRMs, recruitment marketing platforms—you can plug them in. Um, um, smart Recruiters and Lever do a good job of that too. I, just, I think, I think uh, Greenhouse may be a little a little ahead. Um, they've been doing it a little longer, um, and they 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 tend to scale really well as well.
0: But um, you're on Smart Recruiters.
1: We are. Yeah, uh, Greenhouse is very much built for a corporate hiring you know environment uh, I, I wouldn't say it would be good for uh, you know, our model of company because um, uh, our hiring isn't rec based so when we hire a private talent it's, it's sort of we're always pipelining certain skill set and aptitude and then uh, our sales and uh, growth of our, of our accounts is what drives the growth of our people and so it's a very proactive pipelining and then activation upon uh, uh, closing a deal
0: that's really, that's really cool. Cause here's, here's the thing. Cause you see so many of the different tech stacks within, um, that are recommended and you're like, okay, well with that, what else am it I going to It's a lot of tech.
1: Like seriously, you look at our onboarding thing and it's a long list of different technology, but depending on your role. And then we do a lot of training on, on utilization of that technology. And then we have, we have partners that let us play with technology and, and, and try new stuff, but you know, we use pipe drive CRM, which I really love from a sales standpoint. Um, we, uh, we work with the, 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 fine folks at content app to, so all our consultants are sharing content and we're amplifying our marketing efforts on social. Um, so it's like a social amplification tool for employees. Um, uh, we use, um, pipe drive, uh-huh, pipe drive CRM. Yeah. I love it. Cause you do all kinds of automation with it and with MixMax and other things that we use, we use quiller for proposals. So we're sending out really nice CMS proposal. That's really visual and videos embedded, and they can select an option that they want, and then it's in. Um, What's that called? The yes, CRM. Quiller. Oh, Quiller. Q W I L R, I think. Um, it's a really neat proposal tool. Our clients like it too, and you can and you can see like how long they're spending looking at certain parts of your proposal, which helps you make that's them good. better. Mm-hmm. So I like again data to prove and better better your sales process. Um, so that one's pretty cool. And then from a sourcing standpoint, we've used everything from Intello. We have Zap Info um, enterprise licenses that we really love. It really automates a lot of the sourcing process for us. Um, you
0: know, a lot of different
1: social tools. Um, yeah.
0: Pretty robust. So
1: yeah.
0: All right. Here's yeah. my, last, my last question to uh, Will Staney. Um, I have three pieces of paper one has a full job description one has three bullet points and the other is a blank paper which do you choose
1: give me the blank paper actually I'll uh, buy blank paper and the bullet point because um, that's what my day-to-day typically is we're building a new model of a company it's a lot of blank sheets and then some things we have a little figured out and we're just building and that's the same thing with the clients that I work with too it's They're either a startup and they're fresh and they've never done hiring before as a company. um, And so it's a blank piece of paper. I love those because you get to really educate and help them build that Mm. muscle. Um, But sometimes it's a company and they have bullet points of what they do. um, And they need to to get it to that next phase. And that's exciting to me too.
0: Very cool. Well, thank you so much for your time. We look forward to seeing you in July at LAX Tech Recruit. You have yourself a wonderful day.
1: You too, thanks for having me.
0: Bye.